can't never stop working hard. Each day I feel I have to improve. Hard work, determination. I've got to keep pushing myself. Hello and welcome to Hi Ya, the only podcast that thinks if you're a glazed Korean counterinsurgent with a hole in the middle that likes to jump over cars and kick people in the face, you could be a Taekwondo nut. Episode 31, recorded somewhere in the morass of February 2013, starts now. Ooh, okay folks, it's good to be back. Um... And I apologize first and foremost to all our listeners for not putting content out for so long. And uh, to our guest on this week's episode, Manuel Adrogue, who is a fantastic Taekwondo practitioner from Argentina, six degree black belt, um, who we came across after reading his article in uh, Michael DeMarco's Asian Martial Arts. Uh, he had some really interesting ideas in there that I wanted to pursue further with him. And he was kind enough to come on and talk with us about it. Now, this, this interview is almost a month old, although the content's not super time sensitive. So I don't think that's going to matter to you folks at home. Um, but I guess I owe you all an explanation of some sort. Um, this last couple, three weeks has been a welter of things. Uh, I don't want to say they're all bad. But they've all been uh, life-changing in one way or another. So, uh, you know, it's it's the old thing. When it rains, it pours. I can truly, coming out the other side of this now to some extent, say I sympathize with Lloyd Bridges when he said things like, uh, It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. So, you know, on and on. That's, uh, that's how my last few weeks have been. And again, there's been some bad things that have happened. And thank you to all, I'm not going to go into all this, but thank you to the listeners, family, and friends that sent condolences. Um, some other things that were rough, but uh, I think are going to turn out to be good. Uh, the one thing I will mention is the wisdom teeth are out, and I'm able to speak like a human being again. I can even feel my tongue, folks. I'd let you feel it, but. Uh, You know, it's just not practical on an on-air podcast, but it really feels good. Trust me. So anyway, enough of my blather. This is, uh, once again, you're not getting one of our full-on shows. Uh, We did record, right before I had my oral surgery, a uh, group podcast with Big Al and Craig Kiesling. Uh, I'm going to have to look into that, though, (laughs) because we had a lot of fun on that one, but I don't know uh, how much of that's going to make it to air and how much isn't, but we will definitely be back on target with uh, group shows, more content, all that stuff coming to you soon. But right now, I want you to settle down in your chairs um, and uh, take a listen to this interview with uh, with Manuel. He's a super, super nice guy, and uh, he turned me on to a lot of things I just simply did not know about Taekwondo, which is something that I did for a couple of years back in the day. And also, I want to make a point to mention right up front, and we mention it again at the end of the uh, interview, um, there's a ton of great information in this book called... Uh, a killing art. Oh, I sat down without it in front of me, so I can't give you the author's name, but it's easy to Google. A killing art. They have uh, Kindle copies, so forth. Check our Facebook page. I recommended it to the listeners. It's it's a super interesting book, and just um, 
it puts for any kind of martial artist, you know, one, I have a lot of friends where I told them the title of this book, Oh, Taekwondo, a killing art. And they, they chortled at me because they're thinking about, you know, kids in pajamas with black belts and strip malls, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just, they don't think of Taekwondo that way, but boy, you know, they're, <laughs> this art was actually born fairly recently in, uh, you know, the, the era, including world war two, the Korean war, Vietnam, the Tiger Divisions. Uh, there's all sorts of intrigue behind this. It really is a one a good look at uh, you know development of modern martial arts in general, and uh, two a really good look at what happens when a government and a martial art are kind of co-evolving together. A uh, new state. It's it's a fascinating case study, and it's it is very serious business. So uh, I recommend that all you martial artists out there, especially people that would poo-poo either the fighting ability. Did I just say poo-poo? That would discount the fighting ability of uh, Taekwondo as a martial art if trained correctly, and also just uh, you know people who think that it's important that a martial art have an unbroken three thousand year history to be legitimate. Uh, cause there's a lot of interesting angles on that in there too. And I think that's something we're going to get into the show a lot more, uh, later. So that all being said, Oh, uh, one more thing. Congratulations to Troy Reed. He won the tree, the t-shirt contest. Um, he actually lives in Athens, so we'll probably just hand that one off to him by hand instead of having to mail it to him. And, uh, we've got the design already and the first run of shirts are actually going to be hand screened. That's right. By me and uncle Scotto. Kudos to him for his design work. So those will be ready soon. We'll have a little batch of those. And if we can sell a few, uh, we'll cafe press the darn things and get them out to you. But uh, we want to make sure, especially this first batch, and actually any future batch, we're going to have silk screened. We're not going to have those stupid, uh, you know, iron-on things or whatever they do, computer printing. They're going to be silk screened, whether we do it or whether we hire someone to do it, because we like nice t-shirts. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Settle in. This is a fairly long interview, but it's just full of good stuff. And we talk some general martial arts there toward the end, too. Uh, should be something for everyone in this one. And I'll pop in and say a few words at the end. All right. Hey. Going to the Champagne Lounge to pick through the ashtrays. I really like them and the guys that are talking with you are people who are very knowledgeable so I might be not up the standard but anyway we'll have a good time no I, I think you'll be just fine now. <laughs> by the way how do you pronounce your last name just so I don't butcher that yeah well it's Adroge Adroge okay no problem that's actually what I was guessing I was almost right <laughs> okay 
Okay. Well, folks, we've got Manuel Adrogay on the line with us right now. Uh, he's a Taekwondo practitioner from Argentina, and uh, we're going to have us a conversation. I've been uh, really eager to get somebody that's uh, good at Taekwondo on the program because, you know, we're trying to get uh, any, any and every martial art we can on the show, and Taekwondo is, I don't know, is it the number one or number two most popular in the world right now? Well, it depends if you count Tai Chi, you know. Yeah, but that's... actually, when it, when it goes to popular, uh, they are so popular that they should they shouldn't be considered martial arts at that point, you know. Because yeah. the quality down with popularity so much that it's no longer a martial art. So martial art taekwondo is probably not the most popular martial art, you know. Right. Well, you know, with with Tai Chi or anything else, especially with something as popular as Tai Chi, there's, uh, you know, there's plenty of people who actually still do try and do fight with it or use it for self-defense, but there's such a small minority of the people that actually practice it that it's really hard to tell what you're getting. Why don't you go? Why don't, you, why don't we start out here by uh, you telling us a little bit about your background and how you got into Taekwondo and uh, you know what you've what you've done with that. Uh, and I'll admit up front to the listeners that you've uh, sent me some articles and other information, but I want them to hear it from the horse's mouth. So go ahead and give us a little background. I guess my my story is not different to to a typical teenager situation. Uh, you know, I first watched uh, a Bruce Lee movie. I might be eight years old or something. Mm-hmm. My grandpa took me to the movies, nice. and I saw this fantastic movie. I I don't really remember which one it was. I guess it was the one that Bruce uh, fights Chuck Norris. Anyway, it was just eight. Yeah, Re- Return of the Dragon, I think, is yeah, that one. Return yeah. of the Dragon, the Roman Coliseum. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, I, I couldn't, it was just unbelievable. So I went home and I told my mom, I do want to do that stuff. Okay, no problem. And, you know, about a week later, my brother and I ha- had joined the local judo school. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we stayed there for about a year. I never saw a kick. You know? Right. I never- all the things that that I supposed that I I, I I would be taught. So after that, you know, I I simply quit. I don't, you know, just fade it out. Yeah. Uh, however, I had I have a good experience when it comes to judo. I'm I'm a small guy, and I was very small when I was at school. And I remember this big guy coming to me and trying to look tough, etc. And I don't know what I did, but it was it was probably an Iponcio Nage. Uh-huh. A basic, a very basic uh, judo throw, a leg throw. And, you know, we were in the middle of a, of the playground and I flipped the guy over me and boom, it went. And no one could believe what had happened. Actually, I couldn't believe it. Right. <laughs> and yes, I... Uh, so it was great. I mean, my, my judo, my judo time, I mean. <laughs> Served you well there in school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and after that, you know, I simply forgot about martial arts, etc. Then we go, we fast forward for about, I don't know, uh, seven years. Mm-hmm. And, or, or no, or a little less. I don't know, I, I, was, yeah, I was 15, and a friend of mine says, you know, I have these 
Korean type of guy who knows Taekwondo, you know, it's the rather strength thing, etc. And oh, that's cool. And well, I basically followed him, and he was the one of the guys who introduced Taekwondo in Argentina. Very tough guy. Um, What was his name? His, his name is uh, Nam Sung Choi. Choi Nam Sung. Okay. He's uh, he, he he came with. He came with other two guys who are Kim Han Chang and Chong Kwang Dok. The, the three of them are the former introductors of Taekwondo in Argentina in June 1967. Yeah, and so, just to put this in perspective for some of our listeners, this is uh, long before Taekwondo was something you saw on every street corner. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. This was a kind of strange thing and this friend of mine was telling me he actually knew a place where this guy was teaching and you know so it was really really attractive you know for a 15 year old oh, yeah. it was incredibly attractive and you know what happened is that I, I went there uh, with my friend and my friend I don't know for what reason he I don't know if he dropped or if he was taking a different a different a, a class, but we, I, 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 my, I was mostly by myself there, and it was funny because I stayed just for a month, for because what happened was that I was uh, what you would say in the United States a straight A student, right? A, a very nice guy, you know, right. I, straight laced. <laughs> yes, I was, you know, and. What had happened is that in, or maybe it was two months, but when, when two months had passed, I was so into martial arts, so stupidly into martial arts, that I have had forgotten every, any other thing in, in the world. I cared. I, I didn't care, you know. Right. It was just, you know, to learn about this fantastic thing. So my, my, all my uh, school grades dropped, and they dropped dramatically. I mean, and I needed, I needed to do uh, an extraordinary effort if I was going to pass uh, to the next level. You know, I was in, in high school there. That's funny uh, because one of the things that you see claimed on the window of virtually every Taekwondo and karate school in America is how it will improve your grades. <laughs> no, uh, not my case. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, though. I've had that same yeah, feeling before. Mes- absolutely. Mesmerized, hypnotized. Uh, mm-hmm. So... And before my parents uh, took notice of what was happening, you know, I come from a very academically oriented uh, uh, family, and we are all supposed to, to go by the book, by the rules, etc. So I decided to cut the thing myself. And with, you know, it was one of uh, probably my, my first ever in life real responsible action, responsible effort. I I I cut my own my own joy. Uh, oh, and so I, you stopped I, of your own accord at that yes, point. Okay. I stopped training. I said uh, I will not come back to school to to a dojang until I have uh, leveled my grades. And I, I was quite fast. And maybe in three or four months, everything was all right, except for a math teacher who realized. <laughs> that something was happening in my mind and he started playing with me 
And he would never ask me, you know, there were tests, but I wouldn't test, you know, in math. There were no, no examinations for, for Manuel. So it was a strange thing. And, and until the very, until the, the, the last day of the, uh, of the, of the year, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I mean, I had, let's, let's say I needed three straight A's to, to, to level my, my bad grades. Well, I had the first two, and then he would never uh, give me the chance of, of an examination. Why is it always the math teachers? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he knew I wasn't particularly fond of math. Right. But, and, well, and on the last day, the guy said, okay, this is an exam for, for everyone. And so I, I, he handed out the papers. And I remember we had 40 minutes, you know, that was the standard time. And I completed everything in ten minutes, and I handed in the paper, and he had it in his in his desk, and he would look at me, he would smile, and he wouldn't look at the paper. <laughs> I would look at him and say, "Come on, you know, <laughs> take a look." <laughs> Did you check it? Yes, of course, sir. Please take a look. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And he would, you know, it was it was the they were the longest thirty minutes in my life. Finally, the guy, you know, he looked at it. He said, well, you have an A. And I, and I was free. And I was really free. I was very happy. But what had happened at that point is that I had met a friend who was, a, you know, who was very advanced. He was a blue belt, you know. Right. <laughs> he, was, he was very advanced. And, I mean... He was old school. He was really very good. For today's standards, he might be, I don't know, a second-degree black belt or something. Right. And he was very strong, very fast. Uh, and this guy was coming from, from another school. And, and we, we trained a couple of times in the park. And so uh, when, I, when I was free again to formally re-enter uh, Taekwondo, I joined the place where he was training. And it was awesome. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because uh, I got to know my, who today is my teacher, my, my real teacher. I mean, I, I was with, with, with Grandmaster Choi only a couple of months, but I, I've been with uh, uh, Master Pedro Florindo for, you know, uh, it'll be 30 years this year. Wow. That's great. You hear far too many people that have been in the game this long don't get along with their teachers anymore sometimes. <laughs> no, you know, but, well, what happened, it was, it was uh, I mean, things worked, worked out very well because uh, he was, he's a very intelligent guy who, who understood, I mean, his own story is a very special story because he had, he first had a Korean master who quit teaching. So then uh, he was, you know, he, it was a traditional Tang Sudo style, Mudokwan, mm -hmm. which is, um, that goes back to Taekwondo's origin. Basically, there, are, there were five schools. One of them was the most important, actually. It's, a, it's, a, it's not one of the original five, but for history's sake, there were, there, were five uh, schools, which are just five gyms of five different Korean uh, instructors who had learned uh, Japanese karate. Some of them had really lived in Japan, and others had indirect contact uh, 
with uh, with karate, but they were all they were just groups of Koreans practicing karate. That's that's a whole that's a whole and, idea. And those five schools were what eventually originated taekwondo. The, yes, you know what happened is sorry, I'm I'm departing from. That's from okay. My, we can go all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lay this out for our listeners because this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. A lot of people are not aware of the the, the real history of taekwondo. Well, the the, the, the I'll I'll try to to put it in in short. What happened is that uh, the Japanese occupation of uh, Korea formally started in 1910. But actually, that was just the formal annexation treatment. But in practice, it had started probably before the turn of, of the uh, 20th century, you know. Yeah. So, uh, basically, the Japanese were governing uh, Korea as a province, and things started to get worse, uh, which meant Koreans were deprived of their names. Uh, they were not allowed to refer to traditional Korean customs, uh, and they were considered second class. You know, uh, it's not a coincidence that the Japanese were allied with the Nazis in the Second World War. They yeah. had this ethnocentric type of uh, 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 perspective of life. Koreans did really suffer. So at one point, some, I mean, the best thing that would that could happen to to young Koreans was to go and have a higher level education, which was high school and maybe university in Japan. Right. Several of these guys went to Japan and had some karate training, you know, and then they came back and they, they established small karate schools, you know, very small karate schools. They were just groups. Now we think of them as... The, the five founding schools of Taekwondo, but they were just, you know, groups of people, and, and we call these people the grandmasters. They were guys in their late 20s or early 30s. But, well, yeah, that was, that is where Taekwondo comes from. Yeah, basic, they, they basically it, just wanted training partners at the time, right? Exactly. They were training, they were guys that, that, were, that were training karate. You know, there are slight differences in connection with where where they came from, for example, the oldest, the old, uh, the, the five traditional Kwan are the Chongdo Kwan, Songmu Kwan. Those two come from Shotokan Karate directly. I mean, their their founders, uh, who are uh, Iwon Kuk and No Byung-jik, they they both learned in Japan. Right. Then then you have uh, the Mudo Kwan. Which which was founded by Huang Qi. Uh, Huang Qi actually he was influenced by Shotokan. He never learned through Shotokan. There's this whole thing because he's supposed to to have learned a little bit of Taekyon. Who but now is I mean, Taekyon? Explain Taekyon. Is that the semi mythical original Korean martial art or? Well, well, well. The thing I mean, Koreans for for very good reasons, have a big resentment towards Japanese, okay? Yeah, I know. There's no love loss there. I've seen that in practice many times. Well, so, basically, uh, Koreans, Koreans uh, whenever they can, when they explain where, where their martial art comes from, they always like to find uh, a, a Korean origin. 
origin. Right. And and there is there is enough evidence that some Korean art existed in the past. Okay. Yes. The, the they truth. definitely had a military, you know, of their own. <laughs> yes, yes, but what happened was that in the in the last eight hundred years, the the focus the focus in in Korea was, I would say, almost the opposite as in Japan. There was no militaristic type of uh, perspective, and actually, uh, it was a very uh, intellectually oriented uh, society hmm. so the military arts really lost all importance right okay so although there are records that are older than 800 years saying that there were some uh, 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 nights you know when you will hear the the harang versions etc right. you know that's very much in the past and there seems to have been no transmission Okay. Okay. So, so when when you see when you see uh, relatively serious re- references to old martial arts, you will hear about, for example, the twenty-four arts or the shippagi, which are the the, the the eighteen techniques, and they are all techniques that are based on books. And when you when you go a little deeper you will see that those books that, that were put together by court members, uh, by petition of the Korean king, they were all based in uh, Chinese books. You know, right. there's one famous book which I don't, I don't, I don't remember the name of the, of the, Jap- of, of, sorry, of the Chinese general who, who put it together, but basically uh, the Korean books are an extension and a further development of Chinese Chinese uh, battlefield manuals, and they were battlefield manuals. Okay, right. so not, not mar- civilian martial arts per se. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. So they were meant, you know, like uh, actually, what the Koreans added, they added uh, some uh, uh, sword techniques, okay. and they added a horseback. You know, the the Koreans are very are very fond of horseback training because they had the Mongols. Uh, ruling for some time in their country. Yeah, absolutely. So, and actually, well, you know the the kamikaze uh, uh, history in which the the Mongols tried to invade the uh, Japan the, uh, and the, the they tried to invade from Korea. Right. And the, the Mongols were not uh, seamen; they were uh, horseback men. So. Uh, but they they forced the the Koreans to provide their ships, etc. So there was this this Mongol influence was quite strong for some time in Korea. But going back to to 20th century martial arts, sure. The point here is that when you you will hear names like basically the most usual name is Subak. You will hear Subak as as an ancient martial art, as ancient Korean martial art, mm-hmm. because that's the name found in in old books. Old books is just like eighteenth century, seventeenth century books, not older than that. Okay. But there's no real evidence on what Subak was made up of. And it was probably I mean, there was just one chapter, original eight chapters of the book that dealt with empty-handed skills and those empty-handed skills seem to be put together into just one form 
So the bottom line is it seems that we are talking about just one form, you know, one pattern, right. and maybe uh, complementary exercises that were, um, that, were, that, that were used to drill soldiers. But, you know, it was more of a physical training type of thing. So, and sorry, this, this is not my area of expertise, so I'm... Well, you're far more expert in it than I am, so you're... <laughs> Okay. I'm glad to be talking to you about it. Well, so the the thing is that besides that, which is what can be considered ancient and most, or I don't know how ancient, you know, just 300 years or something, and it was lost. But then there's this thing called tekyon. Tekyon is a is a rural practice found in found in, in Korea that is a kind of it's a kicking game. Okay. You're supposed you're supposed to kick the the opponent following a certain rhythm. It's a game. It's not a fight. Right. And the, the 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 highest level is supposed to be when you when you when you are able to kick uh, the 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 top knot or, or I, the, the the head of your opponent. Okay. Right. And and so it's it's a thing of agility rhythm etc it was played in in popular festivals uh it was a kind of you know it was a festivity kind of thing yeah there were there was a kicking game uh in uh the area where my relatives originated in the mountains in North Carolina called purring yes where two guys would basically place their hands on each other's shoulders and just kick each other in the shins till one of them gave up <laughs> <laughs> not not as uh, not as uh, sounds like not as advanced a sport uh, or a game as Taekyon, but uh, definitely yeah. you know that kind of thing exists around the world. Well, exactly. So, but it did have, but the, the, this kind of skill did have uh, the high a, kicks. A, a, yes, I, it it had a dangerous component. I right. mean, uh, uh, the skilled guys could definitely use it for fighting. Okay, and when you see, if you have seen any videos of Taekyon, it it resembles uh, Brazilian capoeira. If, uh, you know, lots of rhythm, lots of uh, 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 spin kicking, and very loose type of motion. You know, you're supposed to relax right. and to flow. It's a very flowing type of thing. Well, the thing is that around 1950. There was this uh, master Song Do Ki, who was an elderly guy. He was found to be the last uh, Taekyon uh, exponent, and he had. Uh, and they found another, another, a younger, a younger Taekyon expert, and they joined. And the government provided some support, and they put. They started putting together uh, a Taekyon program. Okay. The funny as more so, of a martial art or just to preserve the sport? To preserve whatever folk type of activity. I mean, I don't want to define Taekyon as a martial art. Okay, okay. Which, which I mean, which it is. But, you know, when you, when you put labels, it's right. difficult. It's a martial art slash game slash folk activity. Okay. But what happened in parallel, you know, that was just a tiny thing. And, and no one did really know it existed. But when you, when, and the others, the, 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 there, were, there were 
five I got I go back to the five uh, gymnasiums the five taekwondo groups uh, sorry not taekwondo the five karate groups you know yes. those five karate groups you know karate uh, it can be rendered in Chinese uh, in Chinese ideograms as empty hand or as Chinese hand you yeah, know tongue hand yeah the tongue hand exactly so you can you can in Korean you can call it tang sudo the tang the tang the way of the tang hand right. or kong sudo kong is empty okay kong, kong sudo is you know in Japanese they they are both uh, 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 they can be pronounced uh, karate do so you have tang sudo or kong sudo which is exactly the same thing when you write it okay, okay. I mean uh, no sorry when you write it it's uh, different the, but when you say it it's the same yeah yeah gotcha so so we have these groups and there's one general i mean who, who is not a who who will become a general very soon there's this guy called Choi Hong Hee who is very nationalistic who has spent time in Japan who has a second dan a, a, a Shotokan second dan mm-hmm. comes back to to Korea when the Japanese are still there he's a very he's a very small very small and very passionate man and he's very nationalistic, and he joins the uh, uh, students' resistance uh, movements, and he ends up in jail, and he ends up tortured, and he has a miserable time while being in prison. But uh, something strange happens because while in prison, he works he works out, and and doing these funny motions, these funny karate motions. And people start, hey, look what this guy is doing. And although he's malnourished, you know, he's yeah. starving, etc. But he does his motions, etc. And everyone starts following him, even the, you know, the guards, the prison. And these were and, Japanese that were holding yeah, him prisoner, yes, right? Yes, okay. but we, should, we shouldn't assume that all Japanese knew karate. You know, those are yeah. some ridiculous assumptions that make people make today. But, of course. Right. Oh, every uh, Asian knows a martial art. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and well, and uh, well, the point is that uh, he's waiting for his. He he's in death row. He has uh, a, a certain date that uh, he's supposed to be executed for treason. And what happens is that, uh, fortunately, and this is one of the uh, ironic things of life. And when I when I heard, I mean. I've been with General Choi, and he, he, when he was saying that, it made me think a lot. He said, fortunately, uh, the atomic bombs were dropped before, one week or two weeks before my date. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what, what, what we all consider to be uh, uh, one of the status points in, in, in human history, mm-hmm. you know, he was, fortunately, that happened. Yeah, I mean, those those bombs, there's no arguing that they took a lot of life, but they saved a lot of life, too. And where the balance is in there, nobody knows. Exactly, exactly. So, and the thing is that they were freed immediately, and this guy went, uh, uh, well, he had this, uh, he's training in Japan, he, uh, he was studying uh, law, you know, he was, he was trained to be a lawyer. I don't know if he finished uh, his studies. I think he did. But well, but he was very military oriented, mm-hmm. so he was one of the founding members 
like along with another hundred or so guys, but he was a founding member of the Korean army. And he, he, he made a very fast career because he was passionate, he was bright. And he, the guy simply loved martial arts. So he, and he, 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 he started uh, teaching martial arts and trying to attract all karate students from, from that, that were drafted into the army, into his uh, unit. Uh-huh. And, so, and he started to gain power. So what, what, ha- what happened is that actually for, for some time he was associated with, with one of the five original Kwans. Now, I didn't mention them all. They are the, the, the Kwans are the Chungdo Kwan, which was the first one, which was associated with the, uh, with the police. So it was like the official Kwan. Right. If, uh, the government-supported one. <laughs> the government supported it or kind of supported, tolerated it. Right. While the Japanese occupation was on. So actually that backfired because later the leader of the Kwan had to leave the country because he was accused of being a, a Japan, collaborator. Japan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, so I see what was happening now. The Japanese were allowing it to go on to basically to train police officers. Yes, and just that. And then they, okay. they were, there were the Songmu Kwan, which was smaller, which was uh, also headed by a Shotokan stylist. Then the Mudokwan, the Mudokwan, uh, Mudukwan is very has a, a, an interesting story because uh, the the leader Wangki was quite stubborn and he resisted the unification moment. I, I'll go uh, into that a little later. But okay. this guy Wangki, he was passionate about martial arts as as most of these other guys. He says he received Taekyon training when when he was a child. That is that may might not be exactly the case. We don't know. All of them say the same thing. I mean, Choi Hong Hee, the guy I talked to you about, the the guy who was tortured, etc. He also says that he, when he was a little kid, he learned Taekyon basically because you will lose face if you just if you say that you simply modified karate. Right. You need to say that you melted it with uh, Taekyon. But the funny thing is that Taekyon. Uh, I mean, they only found two men, two proven men that really knew Taekyon. And they made up the whole Taekyon out of these gentlemen who really knew what they were talking about. All the other claims about people saying that, yes, when I was a small kid, I was shown and I was trained for three years in Taekyon. Mm, you know, <laughs> yeah. so they found these two guys post World War II, right? The two Taekyon yeah. guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And then you have, and, but, but the thing about this Huang Ki is that besides him saying that, that, that he learned something, Kion, somehow he, 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 he found a karate book and he started doing his, to his best knowledge what he could with that karate book. And then he went to Manchuria to, to work to a railroad. And Manchuria was filled with uh, Korean. I mean, Manchuria was there was a big Korean community. So he 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 related to to a Chinese to a Chinese master. And when when you when he tells you what what he learned, I mean, uh, Grandmaster Huang Ki is already dead. But what he said is that he learned. I don't remember the name, but in Chinese is Pufa, which is steps. And then yeah. the famous Tam Tui. 
So, okay. yes. And he, what time and, toy makes the rounds? <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. I've, I've, I've listened to many, many of your postcards. And, you know, there's, it always comes back. So, time toy is there. Yeah, so. Good to see it popping its head up again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and well and this guy then then when when Koreans you know when there's this Korean liberation uh, he was uh, Grandmaster Wang Ki he he was for a short time associated with the Chungdo Kwan which is the the, the police uh, Kwan which had uh, real life ties with Shotokan because again Master Wang Ki it was uh, his ties with Shotokan. He never. He was never in Japan, and he never learned from any Japanese anything. You know. Right. But when, see, uh, we are talking about the group that, when Taekwondo came into existence, that the group that resisted the unification and preferred to to keep the name Kang Sudo, which means uh, karate. Right. Okay. Okay. So, this this is the group from where Chuck Norris comes from, for example. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so going back, then you have so I've named three quans so far. Then there's one, the YMCA club. I mean, literally, it's called the YMCA club. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's one of the five original quan, and again, there there was this name uh, Yung Byung-in, who who learned in Japan, but had really had a very intense training also in Manchuria of uh, uh, Chinese styles. He was recognized by Kanken Toyama. Kanken Toyama is a famous uh, 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 Japanese master uh, uh, of uh, karate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, originally he was uh, from Okinawa. Yes. And, uh, well, and he's probably out, you know, when you consider the the five founding members of what later became Taekwondo, you know, the five, mem- the five members, of, the five founders of the five schools, he was probably the most knowledgeable guy. Okay. Uh, and he, he really had some Chinese influence, you know, it's, and the one, the, the, the person who's the most well-known exponent of that line and who has tried to keep the Chinese influence now is he's in Houston his name is Grandmaster Kim Su Kim Su okay Su of Houston Texas he's a he's a guy who tries to keep the Chinese aspect of uh, of uh, Taekwondo uh, what was pre Taekwondo then the the last one is is the Yon Mukwan later renamed Okay, but going back to to the young lieutenant Choi Choi Hong-hee, mm-hmm. now uh, more more known as General Choi. General Choi, who was not yet a general, he was a uh, he was a personality, and he starts trying to attract any black belt around into his unit, and he makes them train as if that is all they must do during the whole uh, uh, service. So he ends up having this group of super athletes of the martial arts. <laughs> and, you know, people training all day, soldiers. Absolutely. Striving for more. And uh, they, are, they are training this karate. 
Do you I'm think the, maybe was, that's where some of the sort of uh, more extreme demonstration stuff that you see associated with Taekwondo comes from? That is where, it, exactly, that is where it comes from. You know, these guys had no limits. You know, they didn't have this traditional kind of thing. They, I mean, their seniors are only 30, 35 at most. Right. You know, they don't have to mimic, and they don't have, Koreans are different than Japanese, you know. Yeah. They're more flamboyant. They're more direct. They are bold, you know. Uh, they are, I mean, this is a generalization, of course, but sure. they are a bit less subtle, you know, mm. and they're very expansive. They're like Latins, you yeah. know. No, I, I mean, could just picture I, these guys training and, they, you know, it's after eight hours of training and they're like, I can break a board this high. And the guy's like, no, I can break one a foot exactly. higher than that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we are doing this the best we can. So the point here is when they, they are making a, a big demonstration before uh, the president and the president, the national president, uh, you know, it's an army demonstration. And this guy, Nam Tehi, who's a right-hand man of uh, General Choi, breaks uh, an, a, an enormous amount of tiles, 13 roof tiles with a single punch, the president asks, oh, what does he have in his hand? <laughs> no, no, just his hand. What? What do you mean? And then when, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was incredible. And these guys were extraordinary. And, uh, oh, what is this? And he, like, you know, he's reluctant to, to admit, yeah, we're doing karate. Because we hate Japanese, you know. We can't <laughs> say we're doing karate. So the guy, see, I mean, General Choi looks at his own, you know, he, he looks at himself in the mirror and says, this is crazy. We do, we're not doing karate. We're doing something much better. We need to change the name. We need to improve this. We are already improving it. So he comes up with, a, he, and someone suggests, oh, that is Tekion. Someone had heard the name Tekion. Right. There was, like, in the back of the memory, people did know there was something called Taekyeon in the past, okay? Right. And General Choi knows that they're not doing Taekyeon. I mean, Taekyeon <laughs> is something different. Sure. He's, if, we, if, we, if we choose to believe that he indeed have, he indeed have ha, had, had some type of uh, juvenile or, 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 or uh, 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 training in Taekyeon, you know, when he was uh, eight years old or something, He's, I mean, he knew Taekyeon had no relationship with, the, with what they were doing. They were doing basically old-style patterns, you know, lots of basics, banging their fists against hard things. Yeah. Uh, you know, that very old-style, very simple, basic Shotokan Karate training. Right. But I, I, can, I can see why they why he would have felt that he you know if you got something like Taekyeon that's still in the folk memory but it's far enough back that most people don't really know what it consisted of and you've got this also this recent terrible history with Japan that you know so you don't want to associate the new you know system or the new thing that you're doing directly with it it seems like a match made in heaven if you can just you know sort of merge the two together and leave but, but, leave the nationalism you know to the side exactly. Exactly, but but General Choi, he knew this was not Taekyeon. So when someone said, "What are they doing?" and uh, the, the answer comes Tang Sudo, and another voice says Taekyeon, 
Oh, that's the kiln, says the president. And so General Choi goes, goes back home with a problem. <laughs> the president believes they are doing Tekion. He knows it's not Tekion, and in some time, sooner or later, someone will find out. And actually, General Choi doesn't want to portray what he's doing, which he's very proud of, uh, as something that it is not. So he comes, he, 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 when he was uh, a young guy, you know, the traditional uh, upbringing of a child if, if, if the family could, could pay for it, was to train uh, calligraphy. Calligraphy is considered a high art in Asia. Yeah, one of the five excellencies. Exactly. And General Choi, although he, you know, he had a rural upbringing and very, you know, they were not well off by any standards, but his father uh, uh, paid for a calligraphy teacher. And you know, while learning calligraphy, you actually learn by copying the classics. So you indeed become an, a, a literate guy, an educated guy. Mm -hmm. So General Choi was a passionate and educated guy. And he remembered, you know, not very usual characters that pronounced in Korean, Chinese characters, of course, that when pronouncing Korean, one is te. Which, which means something, you know, it has the basic of a foot, but, the, but, but the, the, the idea, the concept is similar to dangerous foot right. or dangerous jump. Or, so, and now they, they say it means kick. It doesn't mean kick, but, you know, it means something related to danger and foot. Right. And then the most, the most well-known, Kwon. Kwon is Chuan or Ken, you know, in Japanese or in, in, in Chinese. Fist. So. He came up, yeah, fist, fist. And you know fist meaning boxing in general. Right, right. Oh. So General Choi says, this is not Taekyun, but we can call it Taekwon, okay? And it's, I mean, it's, when, when in sound, it's pretty similar, but it's different. And of course, they use the do at that time, the, the, the suffix, the do suffix meaning uh, a way, which was, Used in Tang uh, Sudo, Kong Sudo, etc. Yes. So he, the guy, uh, General Choi, makes makes up this name, and he has all this uh, trying to his attempts to persuade the president because everything needs the national approval, and he, in the end, he manages to get the approval, and so therefore the name in April 1955 the name is officially adopted. And General Choi is, coming, is becoming more and more influential. At the same time, what happens is the other five Kwan kind are, are jealous uh, uh, about him because he's a second generation. I mean, he's younger than the, than the original founders of the karate schools there. Right. And he is drawing some of, his, of their best students into the military and turning them into his own group, he's slowly but steadily changing details in technique because he doesn't want to practice karate anymore and he actually wants to improve over karate to say to the world, the Koreans have the best martial art in the world, you know, this nationalistic feeling. Sure. So, and they want to do like the, uh, the, the Japanese jump 
uh, one meter, we will jump uh, 1.8. I don't know. They always they, they want improved, so they start jumping, which was typically thought to be a Korean martial arts skill. I mean, anyone anyone could tell about the theoretical feats of Korean warriors jumping. No one had ever seen one, but you know. Right. Oh, yeah, but they were kicking people off horses and, yeah. Yes, exactly. They were supposed to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So they are training that. They are training to, to break boards, uh, you know, bricks, etc., etc. And that is how uh, Taekwondo slowly becomes to develop. The resistance group, for, for political reasons, uh, General Choi is sent as ambassador to Malaysia, where he keeps polishing the style he wants to, he, he calls Taekwondo, and all the other groups, when he's out of Korea, that is in 1969 and 70, say, hold on, we need to, we need to put a name to what we are doing. Okay, and let's vote. And some of them say, no, I want to keep it Tang Soo Do. The others, I want to keep it Kong Soo Do. And a minority says, I want, I, I, for me, Taekwondo is fine. Okay, let's, <laughs> okay, let's get into it. They hated him, you know. He yeah. was a newcomer, an absolute newcomer. He was very, he pressed a lot of, on, on people. He wasn't really a nice guy. He was an imposing guy. And basically, he was, he was imposing his military, his political authority. Right. And martial arts people didn't like that. So all the groups resisted General Choi. And they made up, okay, they, they voted. And they, they put together a compromise name, Tesudo. So like te, like taekwondo, and su, te, meaning, you know, the, the, the dangerous, the Step. dangerous people. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and uh, so it's, but, but it wasn't a traditional name or anything. It, it lasted only one year. <laughs> when Choi comes back, comes back to Korea uh, after his time as ambassador, he says, hold on, what have you done? This is called taekwondo. And they, they put everything back into taekwondo, <laughs> you know. But that, that lasts very little time because, again, for political reasons that are beyond right. our conversation today. Yeah, and I hate uh, to laugh at it because I know there, there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the background, but I'm just sitting here picturing yeah, all exactly. those freshly painted signs being pulled down and changed back to, you know, yes. when so, the boss gets home. And, and Choi Hong Hee, then uh, on December uh, 1971, if I'm right... He lives, uh, uh, he lives forever in parallel of his life. He lives uh, 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 Korea and he goes to Canada. When the guy leaves Canada, he, he was, you know, basically he, since he was such a, uh, a pain in the beep, you know, for, yeah. for, the, rest, for the rest of, uh, of the martial arts teachers that they were putting together the Korea Taekwondo Association. And he was such a nuisance that they... they told him, okay, you take care of the international side, which the Koreans didn't really mind, and we take uh, uh, care of the national thing, okay? So General Choi founded the International Taekwondo Federation in 1966. That's before going to the, uh, as ambassador to Malaysia. Okay, and, before that. And the Korea, and the Korea Taekwondo Association was, was basically managed by the students of the five original Kwan, which at that time they were, they, they had split eight and they were about nine, you know, and they kept splitting. Right. 
So you have the traditionalists because they were cha changing very little in terms of style. You know, the forms, they were still practicing uh, the karate forms uh, uh, on one side and General Choi was trying to change things on the other. But the real change was spontaneous, which was Koreans, as are, they are different, you know, and they wanted to compete. They were young and they were very militarized and they needed the military skills. They were training people to, uh, for the Korean War. First for the Korean War and then they started to draft people to Vietnam. Okay? And they needed to train people. So slowly but steadily, the, the, the style changed. They started kicking more. They, 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 they made it more blunt. They were not into patterns, applications, or whatever. They were into banging their fists into someone and really breaking. Right. I mean, this was about true raw power. Right. Okay. Suddenly, you have hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, young guys training for several years for military purposes, but they will also want to compete. And, and they start uh, developing this Korean style, uh, which departs from the traditional Japanese uh, 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 competition, karate competitions, in which, you know, uh, you're supposed to hit the other guy with a, with a, with, with Technical accuracy in that's in, in in Japan in in Korea, you know, accuracy technique uh, the orthodox how how orthodox your technique is is uh, quite irrelevant. You need to strike the guy. So and since they want they want to foster kicking ability, they start using these hogu these uh, chest guards, which are very rudimentary by that time, and they start. Kicking, I mean, and you can kick, of course, full power to the head if you are skilled enough to do so. And yeah, well, that's let me ask you right there, because you know, obviously, much further down the road in the in the late '80s, when I was taking Taekwondo, um, you weren't allowed to punch to the head at all. Was that the case then to really force people to try the high kicks, or, or did that evolve over time? That's that's how it. Re no, no, yeah. Originally, it's funny because uh, that's how it originally resulted. These guys were training Shotokan type of thing, but they were kicking each time more. And when you kick, I mean, I'm. It's it's it would it wouldn't be realistic if I don't. I mean, I'm a kicker. I'm a kicker. I'm very. I'm very. I I happen to be good at it because I I, I train a lot. Uh, that skill in particular. Yeah. And you know. When you train something a lot, the, 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 the natural biomechanics start coming, okay? Yeah. And that is what happened to Koreans. They trained a lot. And quite frankly, the Japanese uh, Shotokan uh, uh, by kicking biomechanics were not good at all, you know? They, uh, and and that, is not, that isn't something new, you know? Right. Uh, everyone, everyone knows that. That's why kicking style, any type of kicking style uh, will in some way or another, be very close to what now is going to be style. When you see Japanese Kyokushin, you see the way they kick. They kick very similar to the way uh, Koreans kick because uh, good technique has no nationality. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
and even Chinese styles with more kicking, most of them will will do the same. You know, rotate the heel toward the target and exactly, uh, exactly. Know, those same yeah. body mechanics. Yeah. Absolutely. So well, the thing is that these guys start to develop this new type of motion because it's very different from the karate motion. So. Uh, but in, in formal terms, so that is the spontaneous but and inevitable uh, 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 evolution of Taekwondo at that point. But formally, there's this traditional group that is focused on uh, that that doesn't that resists changes. And then there's this guy called Choi Hong Hee who insists on calling it Taekwondo. He finally all of them accept the name of Taekwondo, but when he leaves Korea in 1971, or uh, the start of 72, he, he, since he was the, the president of the International Taekwondo Federation, the, the, the government says, hold on, there's no single person that will own Taekwondo. Taekwondo is something that is owned by the country. The country meaning the government, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> So, and actually all the guys who, 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 who hated General Choi, and some of them had pretty good reasons to hate him, and others were just jealous, but they, they put together the World Taekwondo Federation. So now you have the original International Taekwondo Federation who had moved with General Choi to, to Canada, and you have in 1973... Uh, uh, I, I'm not good with dates, but about in 1973, uh, the World Taekwondo Federation is established. And its main goal is to develop Taekwondo into an Olympic sport, okay? Yeah, which so, they've finally been successful at. <laughs> yes, yes. But what they, what they, did, what they did was it's, there's a big, you know inconsistency there because at the same time although they they adopted different forms i mean they dropped the karate forms and they made new patterns but the new patterns are very uh, uh similar in biomechanical terms to the uh, to the original shotokan uh, patterns i mean there are some differences i don't want to get into detail with this but on the other hand, General Choi made a compromise to integrate the kicking motions and the kicking flavor into all other areas of the, 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 his patterns. So, you know, uh, when you see General Choi's style, it's a little bit more uh, consistent and, you know, you don't have such big differences when it comes to kicking and punching while when you see WTF and you see their 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 forms and and how they uh, and their sparring they're so different it seems to be completely different activities you know uh right so, the, well, the forms uh, versus the sparring yes the forms versus the sparring right. so and general choi and then the other thing was that general choi when he like in in the nineteen uh, in the nineteen seventies, the first world championship uh, of the World Taekwondo Federation was in Korea in nineteen seventy four, and then the, the, there was one in I believe the the first two were in Korea, and then there was one in nineteen seventy nine in Germany, 
and then you know the the um, the international taekwondo federation also had to put uh, to to organize their own you know and in the 1970s they organized their own the first one was non contact with with karate rules the wtf carried the the chest guard uh, uh rule you know yeah. uh, uh uh, the so they were having the, contact tournaments. Yes, yes, they were having contact. But then the ITF says, "Hold on, we are about we are a traditional martial traditional, not in the sense that it's been uh, for a long while, but that the purpose is training for fighting. Yeah, so for this makes this the, the the point is that this makes no sense. And since Jun Ri was originally uh, uh, related to General Choi. And he had uh, he had uh, uh, made up uh, safety pads and, and safety kicking. Uh, you know uh, the the ones that today are the the the, the standard uh, uh, protectors. You know the yeah. gloves and well the shin guard uh, the, the the shin guard yes and well but basically the gloves and the and the boots mm-hmm. well. Uh, the gloves and the boots became were uh, first used in. In, in uh, 1979 so you have, in theory, you now you have two different taekwondo sparring formats. The WTF, which is uh, the Olympic style, which uses chest guards and it's mostly kicking. And uh, although you can you can uh, punch to to the chest, not not to the face, to the chest, you don't really score by doing that. So no one does it. And on the other hand, you have the ITF. Which is a kind of semi-contact uh, sparring, uh, very close to the classical semi-contact karate uh, found in the United States. You know that it actually uh, uh, developed in parallel to the ITF Taekwondo concept. I, I think that must have been, and I don't remember; it's been so long ago. But I think that must have been the type of Taekwondo I was doing there, the latter, because. I, I did one Taekwondo tournament and was ejected for excessive contact. So that was, <laughs> and I, I thought I was playing fair. I just hit the guy right in the stripe on the chest protector, you know, but uh, it was hard enough to knock him down and that was too much. Yes. Yes. Well, there's, there's always this debate on how, how much contact I mean, the, well, no, the I've, I've also seen, uh, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. The, the like, they're having some issues in the Olympics with the, you know, head trauma from from the WTF Taekwondo, of course, as it's practiced at that level. Yes, yes, yes. No, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, uh, when when we are talking, I'm 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 describing the general the general idea of Taekwondo where and how it divided, etc. Sure. Uh, how this all as we go deeper into describing rules etc we uh, are departing from what i believe is the uh, is the essence of of taekwondo as i see it okay. which which is more related i mean taekwondo is uh, um, taekwondo comes 
at the point something very strange happened. I don't know if you are uh, familiar with the movie. The actor was uh, was in the 1980s, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, the the movie was called The Fly. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember The Fly. Well, Brundle Fly. fly. Yeah, <laughs> The Fly is a funny thing. Uh, 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 you may recall that the 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 protagonist there. The guy is a scientist, and he, he has developed this thing called a telepod, and he's trying to, to do transportation of things, similarly to what uh, Captain Kirk and the Enterprise did when, they, when people were, were transported from the, from the starship into the surface of the planet they were visiting. Yeah, it's a basic yeah, teleportation. Yeah, teleportation. Okay. So... And this, uh, the, the, the scientist, this young scientist is, is fully into this. And actually, he's been successful in transporting objects. He has two, two telepods in his, in his laboratory, in his lab, and he's been successful. So now, and once he even, he even uh, he's, he's able to, to transport his own dog. Basically, the, the dog is in one place then his molecules are, you know, are separated somehow. And then he's reassembled. Re yes, he's disintegrated and then reassembled in the, in the, in the second station, in the other telephone. Mm -hmm. So the final, in the, the, the final uh, proof to see if this works, the guy says, I will do that to myself. And, he, and so he decides to get into that, uh, to, to that place, to disintegrate himself, his, all his molecules, his DNA, etc., and be uh, transported to the other telepod. But the sad thing, and he will he will notice this later when he does this, is that when he enters the telepod, there's a fly right. that enters the telepod. And so, and when and when he when when mm, at first it seems the uh, Experiment has has been entirely successful because he he comes from the telepod and he he he's just great. And so he, he gets says, he feels better and better. <laughs> he's better and better. Yeah. But at some time, you know, he starts eating a lot of sugar. And then he starts feeling a little different. And, and then the fingernails come off. And uh, yeah. Yes, and some. Uh, 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 yes, and he starts growing uh, hair in strange places. And then, you know, he's been able to fly. And basically, what has happened is that the DNA of a fly was mixed with his own DNA. And so he's become something completely different. And although he was originally, there was just a big human, just a tiny, very tiny fly. When they, they, they got mixed together uh, and something different occurred. I believe the, it, that is my theory of Taekwondo evolution, you know. Right. That was, that was karate. And there was tiny, tiny Taekwondo effect. No one knows. I mean, it's not that technically uh, um, uh, Taekwondo comes from uh, Taekwondo. No, it comes from karate. But at some point, it entered. <laughs> and, right. and once it enters... You know, it, it has made such a mess into Taekwondo that it has really changed the DNA of 
of what we're talking and what we're talking no longer is karate. You know, it's something different. Yeah, and I don't think anyone would could, that knows a little bit about it would confuse, you know, Shotokan with Taekwondo of either stripe at this point. Well, but you know what? There are schools in which it resembles a lot. Actually, I, I, I must tell you, when, I, when, when, when there are some parts in, in my training that are very, extremely similar to Shotokan. I, I mean, I don't do a commercial taekwondo, uh, but you know what? It looks very similar. So when you're talking about taekwondo, since it's so big, and you, you are talking about the, the, the product of the, of, of the, uh, that resulted after the teletransportation was performed. The question is, as you know, the, 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 the scientists, the, the changes were uh, becoming evident over the time. And on the first day, he felt great, he felt stronger, and actually, but the, the only thing, the only funny thing was that he needed a lot of sugar to eat. But then, as they passed, he became stranger and he became more, he, he, he resembled more a fly than a human being. So, but he was still the same guy, I mean the same DNA. So, when we are talking about Taekwondo, what are we talking about? About Taekwondo day one after the teletransportation, day two, two weeks, two months, okay? So, we are not talking about the same thing. It looks very different. It is very different. Right. And as different teachers branched off from that and started their own clubs and stuff, I'm sure it got, you know, even more complicated, just as all martial arts do. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, then there's there's taekwondo, and then there's American taekwondo. <laughs> right. I mean, American taekwondo is a completely different brand because there are exceptions, of course, but the, the commercial aspect has become huge, and it has indeed diluted uh, what people are are receiving. I'm always okay. kind of amazed when I see, like, you know, just your you know your regular everyday kind of. Uh, strip mall American Taekwondo school uh, and I usually can assume that they're American Taekwondo schools because they'll have the sign outside will say uh, Korean Karate yeah. and that's something I can't imagine a Korean actually saying just because of all the history you you know had laid out before I don't maybe they do just for marketing purposes in America because they know Americans recognize Karate you know and yes, have for, right. for a long but time at the same time, you cannot judge a book by its cover because uh, what basically, you know, the, the when you see a taekwondo school run by a, by a Korean master, as as at the time we are speaking, uh, it'll probably be a sports-oriented uh, school. Yes. Uh, and so, and when you see a Korean karate, the Korean karate sign, maybe if we are you are lucky enough you might actually be in a school the, whose teacher was an old school guy and probably closer to the to the sources i mean being close to the sources you know there's this thing of evolution tradition versus evolution i firmly believe about evolution uh, i'm i'm a believer in evolution but but First, you need to unearth the knowledge of your predecessors. You know, you need yeah. to know before making any changes to what you're doing, 
you need to know, to really know, master what you're doing, and then maybe you can suggest changes. So I see people making lots of improvements that are actually not improvements. Maybe they're wanting to reinvent the wheel uh, and many times uh, uh, making, you know, going against the the principles or the pillars of the system. And that happens in Taekwondo. Yeah, I think that's happens a lot in martial arts, especially one that's easier to commercialize on, like Taekwondo is. You know, it's still, even in this time when MMA sort of rules the roost, Taekwondo, uh, Taiji, Wing Chun, certain martial arts still have a lot of name recognition and a lot of public interest. And, uh, yeah. you know, when you're in that position, the downside of it is, that's a good place to be, but the downside is there are going to be people who take it for three years and don't really get it, but find some niche where they can open their own school and call it whatever they want and water down the brand. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I see what you're saying as well about, you know, any, any style, I think, has a core of a core of principle that gets passed on from one generation to the next. And that needs to stay intact. If you're going to say, I'm still doing style X, right. And then, yes. yes. And, and then, and then, and there's this, the wonder we have a problem, uh, which is actually a challenge. That is, uh, we have a dual, we have a dual system. On the one side, we have our karate roots, and I mean, I'm I'm very into, I'm fond of karate. I'm quite interested in Okinawan karate and this, uh, you know, so to call it frontal, straight type of approach. Mm-hmm. And power generation, you know, uh, very direct. Our main, our, our main uh, uh, weapons. Uh, when it comes to that, are our, our, our fists, and we do train our fists, and that's where you see the low block, the high block, whatever. That they are not really blocks in that in that sense, but again, they are our foundation. Strong stances, the way you move your hips, uh, the way you absorb or or you or you issue energy. That's very interesting, you know, very linear. Mm-hmm. But then we have so-called the the the, the fly, the the the, the effect which is very, you know, circular, has a lot of spinning, a lot of spinning, lateral motion, is more useful for, you know, multiple opponent scenarios. I mean, the way, the the idea that you are spinning, it means you are turning. You are turning around while doing something, and maybe you are doing two things at the same time, you know, it's a more, so, although I'm not really knowledgeable but uh, for, for for using this metaphor, but it's like the the with with the karate with the karate lineage, we have a kind of shingy, straight, direct, uh, focused on the issuance of energy type of thing. Right, and move other, forward like a tank and occupy territory. Exactly, and the other is more indirect, sneaky. You know, agile, flexible, maybe bagua type of thing. I don't know. You hey, know? I'll go with that analogy. I like that one. <laughs> so, and we have both of them. Yeah. And, and so, well, that's to say, you know, you see bagua and shingy paired up a lot on that side of the coin too, because they they are very complementary to each other. Well, and that, and we we have like we we do have because of fate, but we have that those both, but. You, I mean, you cannot 
In this case, since it, those are just ideas that you need to, to, to practice and to understand and to, you know, to chew, etc. So, um, I'm not an advocate of tradition in the, in the strict sense because uh, we would go back to that raw karate that was pretty rudimentary. Right. Uh, but I'm not in favor of evolution. I mean, evolution means change, not necessarily improvement. Evolution is adaptation. It's adaptation to a different environment. Yeah. So if environment asks uh, for uh, a system that can be taught to a lot of people so that you can pay your bills at the end of a month, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Uh, it has, evol uh, that's one evolution, but it's, that is not the evolution I am interested in. Then there's another evolution, which is let's make the most rational, clean, and attractive sport that we can. Okay, that's another type of evolution. You know, again, I'm not for that evolution. So uh, let's, I mean, uh, and I don't reject it, but it's not my type of thing. So I do, I do Taekwondo, but I'm very into detail, into the detail of motions, into the principles behind the motions, and I'm trying to recognize what, I mean, the potential of the motions we have in Taekwondo. So far, I've, I've I mean, I, uh, this year will be my 30th year in Taekwondo. Of course, I have practiced other other systems very you know uh, very little but i've had influence and maybe I, what i have seen is i've i've gotten good ideas oh look at this motion you know actually this is found in our form number 20 so i keep practicing our forms regularly besides of course sparring and doing funny drills etc and you, you know, you if you practice, you keep discovering things all the time. And when you see things out box that are shown by someone maybe practicing another martial art, uh, and you kind of recognize the potential of what you have. So that's my idea. Yeah, if you have a fairly thorough system, it's usually not so much you'll see something somewhere else and be like, "Oh, I need to add that in." It'll just strike you out of the blue. Oh, that's already in there. I just hadn't really paid attention to it before. Yes, no, and actually, yes, but actually, there's a there. when you want to add it, if you're not knowledgeable enough, you will add some. You will add something that is actually against one of the principles of a system. For example, I was I was telling you before that I was a, when I was a kid, I I had I briefly practiced judo. And I, I once had to do, uh, I think it's called major reap throw or something. It's the Osotogari. Basically, right, okay. you, you, you take off the base of the, of, the, of the guy, of the standing guy, you know, and, and you throw him. Right. In if you do that, in and of course, when doing that, you, you have to do a kind of balancing act, you know. You, 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 you grab the guy's uh, label and maybe the sleeve. And you and you use your leg. Yeah, one leg goes up in the air behind you, you as you're pulling him over. And yes, exactly. And yeah. you lean, you lean forward, and you and you and you kick your your leg. Uh, uh, well, that kind of balancing thing is not the way you're supposed to 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 make that throw in taekwondo. You know, in taekwondo, you're supposed to put your leg be like 
to 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 move remove the other guy's leg while standing straight like using you use a posture instead of balancing and get, and, and and getting only one foot in the uh, in, a, in in the floor as a judo or shuai chao kind of thing balancing kind of thing right we're not we're not trained to do that we don't know how to do that if you want to throw someone in taekwondo basically you remove the other guy's base but you don't put into peril your own balance so there are ways of doing that by using our stances we don't we use our stances a lot so you're supposed to use your stance intelligently to remove the other guy's base, you know, right. not and put not the stance through at an angle and exactly. capitalize on it that way. Okay. That is that is the way it's, it's done in taekwondo with taekwondo technique. I mean, so it's not just a matter of adding things, but also knowing what are the basics and what are the assumptions and what are the methods of your system. It's not because the other system is wrong. But we are not trained to do that. I cannot do that. I cannot. I cannot try to do. To I cannot attempt to do what a judo guy is able to do because he trains a lot to do that. As I train a lot to do other things, so I better make good use of what I train a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough on that. Um, well, look, uh, we're running a little long. I don't want to keep you on the on the Skype all evening, but uh, this is this has been fascinating. Uh, uh, a couple of things before we stop, though. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up was the you, you mentioned earlier um, you had done some uh, research and some writing. I, you, you sent me a link to a fascinating paper on uh, the differences that you sort of alluded to earlier between the two main uh, styles of Taekwondo and the sine wave and all that. Do you want to give us just a quick explanation of what that's about? And we can link to that paper in our show notes if that's okay with you. No, yeah, uh, I'll be. Uh, it'll be my pleasure, of course. Basically, uh, that paper in particular, uh, there's there's one thing called uh, the sine wave in ITF Taekwondo. ITF Taekwondo, as I said before, is 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 the the brainchild of General Choi, who, who is supposed to be the founder of Taekwondo. And if, I mean, Taekwondo is is a cultural product. Uh, Many people uh, were involved, sure. but since, since he he proposed the name, and not only the name, but he was the, the the driving force in its initial days. Many people think he deserves the credit as the founder of Taekwondo. Maybe he's not the founder, but I mean, if out of the if you had to pick one guy to be that, it yeah, would be him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. He, he he one of the things he wanted to do is he wanted to improve uh, uh taekwondo over karate i mean karate was always his standard shotokan karate that's what he learned while he was in japan he wanted to 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 give the world something better than that uh and then when the wtf erupted and he was accused of being a communist and there was all this political thing uh, he had to. Uh, he was the the, gov- the Korean government wanted to suppress him and his ITF group. His ITF group for some time was very small. Now, although it's minority, it's a visible minority. I mean, you you Google ITF Taekwondo and you'll find lots of groups, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be more traditional. But the point here is one of uh, the key 
uh, the key uh, aspects of uh, ITF Taekwondo is the sine wave theory. Uh, General Choi said that the natural way to move is more relaxed, is not stiff, and you're supposed to put uh, all the um, all the momentum gained by a natural uh, 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 let go of a body into a target. I mean, this is found in many martial arts. There's nothing really new about this. But when he developed it, etc., it was, you know, it was a bold step. It was a bold step. Uh, he was uh, breaking with some uh, traditional conceptions on how you're supposed to move when you perform uh, forms. And so uh, uh, what I have written is just an explanation. Well, and of course, he used this this sine wave theory, which is many times misunderstood. And actually, I've seen many high-ranking people show movements that purportedly uh, are, are an example of the of the sine wave theory and the power theory developed by General Choi. But actually, when I see them moving, I see uh, something that is wrong. You know, basically, it's wrong. Not be- it's wrong because if if the motion is supposed to be designed to issue uh, full power, if you don't get all the power you can, then it's wrong. You know, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> if you're leaving anything on the table, then you're missing something. Yes. So so and here. The thing is that people want, well, you know, but general choice said that you have to do this or that. And when, you know, when authority gets mixed with, with, with physics, or <laughs> physics yes, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm a very respect, respectful guy, but I will always choose physics, you know. Sure. I mean, maybe there, there, I always, I'm a respectful skeptic, so... And, and since I'm resp- I know my limits when I don't really understand something, and if someone who I trust says, "Okay, you don't get it, but trust me, do this," and maybe I will, I will keep doing it for, for some time because maybe it's just that I'm not good enough at that, so as to reject it. And many times I've seen that 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 balance of being skeptic, but not so skeptic. When someone deserves my, you know, my, my confidence. Yeah. Uh, You're not works. truly a skeptic if you can't change your mind when presented with better evidence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, and I, I'm willing, I'm willing to try, you know, maybe I'm not really ready to, to judge the, the new evidence I'm being given. So I need to, I need to feel it on myself and maybe I need to train this a little more. The bottom line here is that general joy made a big thing out of this uh, sine wave theory and so many people are saying I do the original taekwondo because look this is my sine wave and what they're doing has nothing to do with the original purpose of the sine wave they are doing an, a, a sine wave motion that is deprived of the of the I mean doesn't reach to the to the destination where the sine wave theory is supposed to lead you, you know, which is to to gain big momentum for uh, destructive power. That's uh, the whole point. Okay. Awesome. 
Uh, and yes, we'll definitely link that paper. I recommend all our listeners go and read that. I found it fascinating. And this conversation has been fascinating, too. We've been all over the place, and I, I feel like I could do it for another two or three hours, but, you know, we've we got to let you go at some time. <laughs> same, you know, same with me. Really, same with Same happens to me. Look, I, I, you're one of the people, uh, there are many, many of our guests that we're going to revisit to talk about different stuff further down the road. But before we stop this conversation, you know, let everybody, if, if you have a blog, you have anything else that you'd like people to know about, contact information, anything coming up in your life, new projects, go ahead and tell everybody what's going on. Okay. Uh, I can tell you I have, uh, I have a website which uh, is mostly in Spanish. But anyway, it uh, it has some videos, etc., uh, and it also has all the publications I've made. Many of them are in English, so you can get something from there, which is www.taekwon.com.ar for Argentina. So again, www.taekwon.com.ar. Awesome. Okay. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Okay, thanks a lot. And uh, it's been an honor to to talk with you. And I would love to get a class of Bagua from you, really. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'd love to try to dust off some of my Taekwondo if we ever get to meet in person. <laughs> I maintained those <laughs> kicks for a long time. I could kick way over my head for a long time. I'm 44 now, and it hasn't been as much of a focus, so... You know, I'm I'm lucky if I can kick myself in the face these days, but I uh, keep okay. trying. <laughs> okay, we are the we are the same age actually. So all right, right on. Well, I, and you've been focused on that, so I'm sure your skills are are still very good. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. you know you talked about the multiple opponent thing, and that's something that you know Bagua has a, a a lot to say about. So it'd be interesting to see where the intersections on that. Work. Yes, yes, I'm. I'm- I'm very interested in in the so-called internal arts. I mean, the way, the way because they they have, they have focused into the details of how to move the body, you know. And I'm, I'm very into that. Uh, I mean, uh, if they have this technology, I'm a firm believer of technology. I've been trying to understand all the technology available through the Korean uh, uh, sources. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, have, I have a very good package of, of, of uh, Korean source technology, uh, but I, I, I can find, I mean, I, I, can, I can accept if I, if I get more. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, there will be a time when I will not be uh, kicked. I mean, I'm not that interested in kicking, although I do health-wise. It's great for training. It's great, and it gives you um, an a, an idea uh, of of how to move your body. You know, when you expand emotion, uh, you, it's uh, the the mistakes are much more evident. So uh, you yes. know, if you, I believe in tight. You have like big frame, small frame, whatever. Well, when uh, what what happens with martial arts is. There's this paradox that uh, we go to extreme, forceful, open motions that need a lot of physical powers to be able to perform simple, natural, effortless motions that have very low physical requirements, you know, because I, I, 
in, in the bottom line is I just want, want to step out of a thing and maybe, you know, spin around you and be at your back and then maybe touch your tailbone and your nose and drop you to the floor immediately. And uh, But in order to do that, you know, to do that spinning motion, I have to spend a lot of, you know, I'm jump spinning, I'm doing all that crazy type of thing. To, <laughs> and, but basically, you know, I'm sub, uh, my, the, the, the application will be very, very simple. So we do those big things, at least that's a Korean approach. You do an extreme bold uh, type of motion uh, and then from there you continue to reduce it. So now yeah. I'm in the process of analyzing uh, the subtle minimal motions. How should I step? How should I move my, my hips, my, you know, my torso, etc.? Yeah. And... Um getting I am getting to the point uh, of I, I, I might qualify uh, as a beginner of an internal martial art so maybe I'm ready to start learning something look yeah, internal martial art uh, quote unquote like Bagua goes through exactly the same process you 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 learn the forms large and you learn to go very low and you know to do to do far more extreme motions than are necessary generally to execute the tactic. So, yeah. you know, you might start out as a novice walking a, a 10 foot circle and, uh, you know, doing very large movements. But once you've refined it, you'll wind up walking a circle around your own uh, elbow or around the top of your own skull even and doing very small movements to, in the end, what you want is maximum effect out of minimum effort. Exactly. But you do a lot of effort in order to get to a point that you do minimum effort. <laughs> exactly. It's it's the paradox. The mountain is no longer the mountain, and then it's the mountain again. <laughs> well, this has been great, and uh, I really do want to talk with you again soon. Uh, uh, so thanks for coming on. Hiya, Manuel. No, oh, it's been my pleasure. Oh, and one, sorry, one last thing. Certainly. I really want to recommend uh, to all listeners to read uh, uh, Alex Gillis' book, A Killing Art. It's a great book that explains uh, in, a, in a fascinating way the history of Taekwondo. So again, it's Alex Gillis' book called A Killing Art, The Untold Story of the History of Taekwondo. You know what? I'm going to take you up on that. Hi, all listeners. Okay. I recommend you do the same. guy um very humble man uh, i think he's super cool and there's so much more that i want to talk to him about but we're going to break this into edible chunks for you folks so uh i'm sure we'll hear from him again uh all right that's it for this show uh hopefully we'll be back next week with a uh, full-on uh whole group fandango festival of fun laughter and light for you here on hiya the martial arts podcast 
In the meantime, if you need to uh, contact us, uh, it's uh, mailbag at highoutpodcast.com. Go to our Facebook page, like us, love us, you know, click any of those buttons you can find there. Um, and we also, you know, we put updates up and other information there. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Twitter account. Uh, we, we've got all that stuff that modern folks seem to need to have. So uh, get out there and use it. And one last thing I would like to mention is uh, if you're one of the new listeners we picked up, uh, an MMA guy or gal maybe who was uh, turned onto our podcast by the Ryan Hall episode, which is, by the way, that whole thing is an ongoing saga. You need to keep up with that, people. It's important for martial arts in general. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, we hope that you know our traditional uh, bias isn't too strong, and that you'll find plenty of good martial arts content. That you, I've been really surprised uh, about positive reactions from uh, you know from MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu people who have listened to the show. So we really appreciate you listening, and uh, we uh, we want to we're here to find out. We're here to learn. We want to we want to be educated. So uh, the more we foray into your world, I think the more you're going to enjoy the podcast, and maybe a peek into our world every once in a while will be good for you as well. So uh, thanks, um, and that's it for us. Hi, y'all, folks. We're out of here. Woo! de la mañana. No todo lo que es oro brilla. Remedio chino e infalible. When you take jewelry self defense, then you too can say Nobody bothers me. Nobody bothers me. Call USA 1000. Nobody buys me. Nobody buys me either.